0: People often talk about public transportation as being a cheap, easy, and environmentally friendly way to travel around a city. And that may be true. That all may be well and good. But no one ever tells you about the bus stop monster. And then we travel to Spain to take a road trip with a young couple. As they're driving down the road headed to Barcelona, they have no idea they're about to have a close encounter of the turned kind. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover today, so first off, running into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give it up for one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Get on your feet and give it up for Diego Cubo. Woohoo, yeah! <laughs> Come on in, he's doing cartwheels, he's putting on a little show for us. Yeah, Diego, that's the stuff. Diego, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't swear to the Patreon, I totally understand, I really do. Money is tight, 100%, I know that. But the other way you can help out is just to spread the word about the show. Tell everyone, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know, Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Also, thanks to all of you who have gone on to Paraflix. That is a paranormal streaming network. There was a video interview uh, of me by Dr. Kelly Schutz for her Paraflix show, Disembodied Voices. That show, as of recording this episode, is the number one trending episode on Paraflix. The entire Paraflix streaming network, Disembodied Voices, my episode is the number one trending. So thank you, all of you, for going out and watching that episode. If you guys haven't watched it yet, you can really help out by doing that. It, you, there is a three-day free trial after it. It's $3.99 a month. I, it's not a referral. I don't get any money from it. At all, but uh, you can sign up for the three days and, and watch just that episode if you wanted. But I'm sure there's a lot of other good stuff on there. I've been poking around, but you guys have really come out. I mean, we are the number one trending show right now. That interview with me, so that's what I'm talking about getting the word out, doing all that stuff. And we are the number one now, we're the number one podcast in Paranormality Magazine. Every month, they have a poll for Paranormal Podcast of the Month, and I You guys are in there voting, and we moved up the ranks. We're number one right now. You guys are phenomenal. Thank you so much for helping that out. If you want to vote in that poll, that's in the show notes. If you want to sign up for the Paraflix thing or just do the three-day trial to watch the episode, that's in the show notes. You guys are rock stars. Diego Cubo, let's go ahead and get started here. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. Let's jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command and glide all the way out, too. Sunny Chicago. Chicago home, a famous home of deep dish pizza. Everyone grab a big slice. Hope you're not lactose intolerant. As we get on board this bus, I definitely hope you're not lactose intolerant. We got a long ride on this city bus. It's September 1st, 2020. We're all hanging out on this bus. Traveling through the city of Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. And as we're all on the back of this bus eating this pizza, yum, 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 eating it all up. On this bus, there's a guy, he doesn't give his exact name. We're going to go ahead and call him Joey. And Joey said that one night, uh, September 1st to be exact, he's on the bus home. He lives out in Naperville, Illinois, which is a suburb on the outskirts of the city. And you, you know, you get into just a random nature. I used to be an avid bus rider. I rode the bus all the time in Sacramento. I would read a Star Trek novel, like, every other day. Well, let me rephrase that. It would take me two days to read a Star Trek novel. (laughs) It wouldn't be like, oh, it's the other day. I can't read today. I wonder what the Bajorans are up to today. But it's Tuesday. It took me two... Every two days on a bus, I would finish a novel. A Star Trek novel. And I was blown through them. And I still haven't read them all. I absolutely love those Star Trek books. But I miss being on the bus, too. Just because I had time to read. Anyways... You, you do fall into a rhythm. First couple times you're on the bus, you're like, oh, no, I hope I don't miss my stop. Uh, you're all screaming in the back like the bus driver's like, oh, not this idiot again. He's not screaming at the top of his lungs about the Cardassian War. <laughs> He's constantly going, did I miss my stop? Did I miss my stop? Did I miss my stop? It's the other day. I have nothing to read. The first couple times you ride a bus, you are like on edge because you're afraid you might miss a stop. But eventually, it just becomes second nature. You know the bus drivers. You're like, hey, man, what's up? And they're like, hey. And you know a lot of the regulars on the bus. And you know exactly the route they're going to take. So you really go into an autopilot. <laughs> you're not even driving, right? It's the definition of autopilot. You sit back on the bus. And that's where Joey's at. Joey's just kind of, he's going through the motions. He's done this route 100 times. Same thing with the other passengers on the bus. There's not a lot of them. He said there's maybe one or two other people on the bus. And then the bus driver himself, I mean, he does this route all day long. He definitely is just kind of in autopilot mode. Not really thinking, not really making critical decisions, but that may become deadly soon enough. And Joey said the farther you get from the city of Chicago when you're in the suburbs, when you're at these suburban bus stops, he goes, they weren't as well lit, which would make sense, right? If you live in the suburbs, you don't want right outside your house a big lit up billboard with a map of Chicago on it, like an inner city bus stop. You would just have like a bench there maybe and a sign. Now, generally, in my experience, buses only really stopped at bus stops if there was somebody waiting at that particular stop. Uh, Joey said that that wasn't the case with this, and I'm sure different cities have different rules. You know, you have routes, and they say you have to be here by a particular time. You just can't be you can't be running your route. It's normally a 30 minute route, but I made it in 15 minutes today. They're like, that's not how it goes, dude. People know. When the bus is going to be there, so it, it this particular bus, I guess, does stop at each bus stop. And Joey said it would pull up to these darkened bus stops, right? They're in the suburbs. They're not these super well-lit areas. The doors would open up. They'd wait a few moments and then doors would close and the bus would continue on its way. And Joey says this is the way that this route was going. This is the way this route has always gone. He's just kind of sitting on the bus. Just waiting to get home. When they pull up to another one of these suburban bus stops. The bus slows to a crawl. And stops. The doors open up. No one on the bus makes any motion to get off. There's no one at the bus stop itself. And so the driver hits a button to close the doors. But out of nowhere, Joey hears a terrifying sound. He said it was the sound of heavy footsteps stomping towards the bus stop. Boo! 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 Like someone was walking over, determined to get on the bus in time. And that would be fine, right? People have to catch the bus. Uh, some people might have just gone down from a giant beanstalk. And Jack got away. They took the previous bus so he needs to catch up. I mean, one thing, you know, people stomp through the darkness to get on a bus. But Joey also heard this horrific noise. Accompanying. Accompanying? Accompanying. The stomping, he goes, it was hard to describe. Um, He goes, it wasn't, this is quite the gamut. There's a lot of stuff that could be not these two things. But he goes, it wasn't necessarily screaming. It also wasn't necessarily singing. It, It was somewhere in between those two. But whatever it was, it was angry. And Joey's kind of looking out into the darkness around the bus stop. And he's hearing this stomping. And he's hearing this bizarre noise. Let's see if I can do it. Ah! 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 Screaming. <laughs> like, damn it, Jason, I listen to this podcast I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> I thought a demon broke into my house. A singing, screaming demon. Stomping. Not quite screaming, not quite singing. This weird noise, this angry noise, coming from the darkness. And Joey's like looking on the bus, like <laughs> what in the, the world could possibly be going on out there? Now the bus driver is on autopilot. Remember, he's just kind of going through the motions. So when he hears this, when he hears this noise outside, he's not thinking. He just flicks the switch that opens the doors to the bus. Joey's sitting back in the bus and he sees the bus driver open the doors and then just kind of slowly turn his head to look to greet the passenger who's getting on the bus to do all the normal stuff he does all day long. Hey, how's it going? It'll be $1.50 or whatever the fare is. Collect it, put it in, make sure they're sitting down, take out. He's been through, he does this all day long, this is all he does. It is second nature to him. So when he opens the door, when the bus driver opens the door and turns to look to do all that, the bus driver turns, looks out into the darkness, and shuts the bus door as fast as he could. Everyone on the bus now is staring out of the windows to see what the bus driver actually saw. Again, it wasn't really well lit. The only lights are coming from the interior of the bus, which makes it so hard to look out of. And the way Joey described this thing is he goes, listen, there's not much I could tell you in any sort of definitive thing. He goes, I think it was a woman. I think it was a woman, but he says, quote, not like any woman I've ever seen. He's not talking about Jessica Rabbit. He's not talking about some bombshell, some curvy woman standing out there like, woohoo. I've never seen a woman like that. No. He said if I had to compare this to anything, it would have been a shapeshifter. It seemed like something was horribly wrong With this woman, and he he goes, really, the reason why I'm thinking it was a woman was because it was wearing women clothing. He said, let me describe what she's wearing. (laughs) I'm going to tell you anything about the monstrous looks on her face, or why I felt she looked like a shapeshifter, why I knew she wasn't a woman. Like, he knew that this wasn't a woman standing outside in this darkness, but it was appearing to be a woman. And that's kind of like his eyes are picking up one thing, but his brain is telling him something else. His reptile brain is saying, this isn't human. This is not human at all. And sometimes experiencers, people who have these paranormal events, they have this weird disconnect. He goes, I can describe, I can describe her clothing. She had on an orange shirt, an orange hat, and shorts. But he said, other than that, it... Looked like a woman. I've never seen a woman like it before. I'm pretty sure it was a shapeshifter, which makes me think that he might have actually been seeing some monstrous features, and his brain's just not able to process it. Because obviously, if you, if you imagine the ugliest woman you've ever seen standing outside of a bus, you wouldn't go, <laughs> "That's cryptid. That's some sort of that's some sort of horrific beast from beyond." You'd be like, "Oh, that's a woman." Who's very, very unattractive. And she's not doing herself any favors. Orange is a terrible color. It's so hard to pull off. But his, his reptile brain is going, that's not human. It, it's trying to appear human. It's not human. And it's not just him. Everyone on the bus is freaking out. Everyone on the bus senses something is wrong. And you go, Jason, maybe it's just an ugly woman who has terrible fashion choices. and <laughs> And stomps through the darkness. With the thundering steps of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and was screaming, singing at the same time. Maybe it was just a, a normal, <laughs> it was just a normal Chicago resident. Jason, you've never been there. It's crazy. Well, maybe, but you know, probably paranormal. <laughs> Otherwise, this segment's quite cruel. Some woman in Chicago is like, oh, Dead Rev Radio, my favorite podcast. She, she gets home from work. She takes off her orange hat. She's like, ah, another day I had to walk home. Didn't get to take the bus again. This this podcast will cheer me up. And she's like, oh, no, I'm the monster. The true monster is me. What happened was this woman, this shapeshifter, began pounding on the side of the bus. Pounding on the bus doors to get in. And the whole time she's doing that same thing where she's not screaming, not shouting, this weird mixture, and there's just this underlying sense of anger. She's banging on the door, and the driver is absolutely terrified what's going on. He's just like, I'm out of here, and I'm sure the people on the bus probably weren't like, let's just pick her up. Everyone on the bus is pretty terrified. They were glad that the bus driver finally hit the gas and took off. Joey said as they were leaving the scene, apparently they were, the passengers were talking about this, because they were like, what was that? What could that have possibly have been? They had no idea what it could have been. The questions obviously were whatever it was, like, was it a cryptid? Was it an alien? It, it, it was that type of sense about them. It wasn't that this was just a very unfortunate looking woman, it was that they thought it was a monster outside the bus trying to get in. And also, the big question so it, you would wonder what it was was it a cryptid? Was it an alien? And the second question would be, was it dangerous? Like, what would have happened if it had gotten on this bus? You're kind of stuck on there. You're kind of stuck on a bus. That's my favorite scene from that new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie on Netflix. Where Leatherface gets on a bus. I mean, I never thought about that before. What would happen if Leatherface got on a bus? I know a lot of you guys didn't like that movie. It didn't do very well. But dude, that bus scene is top-notch Texas Chainsaw I'm a huge Texas Chainsaw Massacre aficionado. It's one of of my most embarrassing secrets, that and reading Star Trek novels every other day. But anyways, you know, you would be concerned, like, what would have happened if this thing got on board? She could have killed everybody. She could have just yelled. She could have just been an unpleasant ride. She could have been encrypted, but she really just wanted to go somewhere else. Who knows? And Joey said, he goes, I tried looking for stuff like this online and never came anything. I never came across anything like it. He tried researching Stuff and couldn't find anything. Which is interesting because we've covered two other. I'll have to see if I can find them because there are some episodes that I consider lost episodes. They're still online, they're still up, but the way that the show notes back then were written, I can't find those stories. We did a story about a cryptid, I think it was in the New York subway system, where a guy looked over and he saw like a seven or eight foot tall, like hulking monster standing in a crowd of. Strap hangers, you know, people getting ready to go onto the subway, and then he looked back over, and the guy was the—it's like the monster only he could see for a split second, and the monster seemed delighted that he was inflicting terror. But the idea it was that this creature was looked like a normal person to everyone else, but to him it looked like this monster. And the other story was the one where the person I think was also on like a train coming through a major city. It may have even been Chicago, and there was a creature running around. Climbing around the walls of the subway. Or I think it might have been an L train even. That story I don't, actually don't know if I ever covered. That might just be something that I read on um, the X board a long time ago. But I'm pretty sure I covered both of those. And if you guys know what episodes those are. Shoot me an email or hit me up on the YouTube comments. Or however you get a hold of me. Instagram, Facebook. You guys are always hitting me up different ways. I'm whatever way is easiest for you. But I'd like to know what those episodes are. Um... Because this would make sense. If a cryptid, if we do think it's a cryptid, a cryptid would have a hunting ground. A cryptid would have a preferred place to get its prey. And why, I mean, obviously, you got all of the hallmarks here. you, you, you I don't want to go too much, because we got a lot of stuff to talk about next door. I don't want to go too far off base. Let me say this real quick, too. I found this story on phantomsandmonsters.com, which is a great resource. I love them. We go there all the time. Lon Strickler is one of the best collators contributors to the world of the paranormal right now full stop like Lon Strickler is fantastic I really he does a lot of heavy lifting for a lot of paranormal uh, podcasts a lot of paranormal shows and everything like that so hats off to you Lon Strickler but um, we have this idea that cryptids are creatures that live in the woods live in the jungles, right? There's a lot of cryptids in South America. There's a lot of cryptid, you know, Bigfoot we have up in America, and we have this stuff, Loch Ness Monster. I've always been of the theory that there are a huge amount of cryptids that we don't know about. The idea, I mean, the idea of a cryptid alone is just a creature that science does not know if it's real or not, mostly think that it's not. I think there's a huge category of just urban cryptids. And they're not cataloged in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if you go out to a haunted cemetery, or you go out to just a cemetery, and you see a person walking around the cemetery at 3 in the morning, and then they disappear, you go, oh, this is a haunted cemetery. That's a ghost. If you were walking through a Walmart, and there was a woman walking down an aisle, and then she turns, and then you walk and you turn, and you don't see her again, you don't go, oh, that was a ghost. You go, oh, she's shopping in another aisle. I just lost track of her. But it was a ghost both times. We have this experience that if you're in the middle of the woods and you see this giant hairy guy, you go, that's Bigfoot. (laughs) If you're in downtown Chicago and you see a giant hairy guy. No, I think that the cryptids in urban environments would be acclimated to urban environments. Being an eight foot tall half ape would not suit you well. To be in Chicago. To be this 8 foot tall hairy dude eating grubs. But if you were a cryptid. That looked like a homeless person. If you were a cryptid that dwelled in the sewers. Or the subways. Or on the top of skyscrapers. And hunted people. That no one would miss. I mean. They're, they're ha- if cryptids are real. Which I do believe that as a theory. It's definitely possible. And I believe some of them are real. Don't believe all of them are real. But. If we accept that cryptids are real, it would make sense that there would be cryptids for different environments. You would have urban cryptids. You would have cryptids that hunted at bus stops. You would have cryptids that overlooked police stations. Right, and waiting for people to come out, getting released. No family, anything like that. I think cryptids do have a base level of intelligence. You're like, Jason, these cryptids are pretty intelligent. They're like, oh, that person looks like he's down on his luck. That person looks like nobody loves him. I'm going to eat him tonight. I think cryptids, for the most part, do have a base level of intelligence. They they seem to be smarter than the average bear, at least. But So this is definitely possible that you would have a cryptid hunting... In the city of Chicago, and it wouldn't be like a chupacabra, it wouldn't be like a Bigfoot, it would be something that would blend in. In Chicago, I mean, obviously, this thing didn't do a great job, it was stomping around, and you could tell something was wrong with it. You could tell it was a shapeshifter. But in the darkness of a big city, right, walking down an alley or something like that, you only need a split second to get a knife in the neck, and that's just from another human. If a cryptid can fool you... I mean, this bus driver almost let it on the bus, right? Wasn't thinking, almost let it on the bus. and Who knows what would happen. Could have also been demonic, you know. Could be a whole bunch of things, but a creepy story nonetheless. I'm glad that we are able to discuss it here. Diego, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carbonicopter. We are leaving behind Chicago. Fly us all the way out. To Spain. We are in the country of Spain, my birthplace, not technically, I was born in America, but my family comes from Basque territory, northern Spain. Other Basque people, when they see me, they're like, oh, let me guess, you're from northern Spain, right? We all look alike, apparently, we all got the same noses and the same hair, and we look like we have the body proportions of a Minecraft character. That is the life of a Basque male. But where, actually, where does the story? I know it takes place in Las Gregas, Liladia. Let's see if that's uh, in my old home country. Let's see how far north it is. Probably not. Probably not that cool. Let's see. Well, it's 103 there right now, so I'm glad, definitely glad to be in America. Where are we at? I'm pulling up a little map. Isn't the internet fantastic? I mean, sure. Oh, avoid all the child trafficking and the nonstop pornography. Let's see here. Um, nah, it's, it's by Barcelona. That's that's a little little south. That's a little south of where where my my peeps are at. But you know, whatever. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Basque people. Definitely has nothing to do with me. We're in or we're actually near Las Garigues, Liladia. People are like, Jason, listen. I've lived in Spain my entire life. I have no idea. Where that place is. You're butchering the pronunciation. It's June 26th. Can't say that either. It's June 26th, 1977. Five in the morning. Car is driving down the road. It's driven by a man named Pedro Mateo. And him and his wife, Gloria Jimenez, are driving to Barcelona. It's a, a normal drive, right? Five in the morning's a little early to be out driving around, but you gotta get you gotta get to Barcelona, right? When all of a sudden they see a odd sight on the side of the road. This might be one of my favorite UFO stories we've covered in a while. This is bonkers. They see a UFO on the side of the road. It is a Oval shaped UFO, and it's hovering a few feet off the ground on the side of the road. And next to it, there is a sign, there's like a billboard next to this UFO that says gas station 1000 meters. <laughs> Doesn't mean that the gas station is a thousand meters big, that'd be hilarious and impractical. There's a gas station a 1,000 meters away from this sign. a 1,000 meters down the road from this hovering UFO. And Pedro and Gloria are like, what, <laughs> what in the world's going on? Why is that UFO? I, they're probably worried less about the sign. They're like, oh, good. Gas is coming up. I'm running low. They're like, dude, look at that giant UFO hovering on the side of the road that happens to be next to a sign that says gas station 1,000 meters. And... You know, they're seeing it as they're driving on the road. They're seeing it in front of them. And Pedro hits the gas. He's actually driving faster towards it, which would be an interesting decision, right? Do you slow down? Or do you try to get away from it? He speeds up, and as he gets closer to it, the UFO... Shoots off into the sky. What What in the world was that? See that UFO? And Gloria's like, yeah, it was totally insane. Plus... We need gas. Luckily, there's a gas station a thousand meters ahead. Well, they're driving on the road, and then they see another sign. No UFO. There's another sign down the road that says, gas station, one kilometer. Like, what? Like, we just saw a sign back there that said, (laughs) you're like, Jason, I know that you get hung up on minor details, to stories, all the time. Is this sign relevant? (laughs) Is this sign relevant at all? what (laughs) because i do i do this all the time they see a sign that says gas station a thousand meters ufo next to it ufo flies away they continue on their journey and they see another sign gas station one kilometer it's the same distance but the sign's farther down the road and they're like what in the world is going on and eventually they do travel this kilometer and they see a gas station on the side of the road as the signs had predicted But there was something off about this gas station. I I combined these two stories for a reason. There's something off about this gas station. And again, Pedro and Gloria are like, what in the world's going on? They said it looked odd. There was something off about it. Some of it was obvious. It seemed to only have one pump, one gas pump. And the only other building there was an old shed like an old broke-down shed. So it wasn't like a a food mart, like a Chevron food mart, where you can go in and get a bunch of Doritos and beef jerky and stuff like that. It was an old shed and one pump. And they're like, what in the world? Again, it's something that they can tell is off about it. If you're just driving down the road and you saw this gas station, you might not pay it mind. But knowing that they had just seen a UFO a, a kilometer away, or more than that, this gas station... Something's not right. And as they're driving towards this gas station, they're getting closer. A man walks out of the shed. Pedro decides to pull over because this is just weird. It's <laughs> like, not that weird. A guy walked out of his shed. What's supposed to do? Living there for the rest of his life? Is he the original person under the stairs? The culmination of all of this, plus, I don't know, maybe they did need gas, but Pedro pulls over at this gas station after this man walks out of the shed. Now, you he didn't pull over just because a guy walked out of the shed. This guy, he was wearing very worn-down blue coveralls. Again, not totally weird. He also was seven feet tall. So you're going to pull over. <laughs> if you're trying to read whether you need gas or not, if you saw there was a gas station up down the street and a seven foot tall gas attendant, you're going to be like, I need gas. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to that guy. That guy is seven feet tall. So they pull over and this seven foot tall man, after he walked out of the shed, he's walking towards their car. And he's holding a sandwich. But he's holding it in such a bizarre way. So imagine how you would hold a sandwich, right? Like every human on planet Earth, you would hold it horizontally. You would hold it up so it's right in front of your mouth and you go nom 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 and you eat it up. That's how you would hold a sandwich. Even if you weren't actively eating, you'd have it in a hand and it would still be in a horizontal... <laughs> it'd be in a horizontal fashion. This seven foot tall man walks out of the shed at this very weird gas station. It only has one pump. The shed's all busted up. There was a UFO down the street. He's holding the sandwich in such a way that it's covering his face. <laughs> like, sandwiches. That's what sandwiches go. They go in front of your face. Yeah, but he was like holding it in such a peculiar way that you couldn't really see most of his face. He was holding it up to his face. And he walks up to the car and Pedro... <laughs> I mean, this is fantastic. I, I love this story. Even if it didn't involve a UFO, this guy's just a weirdo. They're sitting in their car, and this seven-foot-tall guy is holding a sandwich, so it covers up most of his face. They're like, "Hey, hey, how's it going?" And he's like, "It's going good. It's going good." Hey, I was wondering, have you guys seen anything weird this morning? The yeah, gas station attendant asked. Pedro and Gloria, they're sitting in the car and the gas station attendant walks up holding the sandwich in front of his face. And they go, Pedro goes, hey, um, we don't need gas or anything, but I was wondering, have you seen anything weird this morning? Because, you know, me and my wife, we were driving down the road and we saw something really weird down the road. And the guy just stood there holding the sandwich in front of his face and he goes, no, nope, nothing weird. Everything has been totally normal. I have seen nothing weird today. As his eyes are peeking over at the top of a ham sandwich. Nope. Everything's normal. And with that, he just turned and walked back into the shed. Didn't ask if they needed any gas. Didn't ask why they pulled over. Didn't even ask what they meant. When Pedro asked, have you seen anything weird this morning? Just walked back into the shed. Pedro and Gloria go, okay, this is a weird thing. Even if we didn't need gas, we're not getting out of here. Although I am hungry. I wonder if they have more sandwiches in that shed. Pedro and Gloria drive away from the gas station and continue on their trip to Barcelona. And when they get there, They realize that they are missing time. Very common in UFO stories for people to encounter aliens or even just see a UFO and more than an hour has passed that's unaccounted for. They have no memory of the time passing, but when they get to their destination, they're an hour or two late. There's no specific amount of time of how much time had that they had lost. That's not included in the description. But they did not notice when they got to Barcelona that they were missing a period of time that they couldn't account for. That the roof of their car had turned pinkish in color. And apparently they had a audio cassette in their car. And when they went to listen to it later, it had been completely erased. I got this story from one of my favorite websites. Hands down, probably my favorite website for doing this show. Think about it, docs.com. I love Phantom and Monsters, too. But think about it, docs.com. I spent hours just perusing it. Think about it, docs.com has the best UFO stories. They got it. They're really good at sourcing stuff, giving their notes. It's just a top-notch website. They got it from a magazine, a Spanish-language magazine called Inexplicata. Inexplicata. Uh, Number three, it was written, this article was written by Javier Garcia Blanco, a UFO researcher. It's a super bizarre story, and the thing is, too, is that this story also reminds me of what I call a lost episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I've had people ask me for a certain episode, and I can't find it. There was an episode we did a long time ago, and I bring this up because I know people listen to the back catalog all the time where a car was driving down the road they saw sirens like they saw like the lights of an emergency vehicle like an ambulance or a police car on the side of the road i think there was even a blockade and when they stopped the car to see if you know they needed any help or what was going on gray aliens attacked the car and then the next thing they knew they were just driving down the road again if i remember correctly that's what happened but the main thing was was whatever this was like this ufo was able to replicate emergency vehicle lights. So it slowed you down. You would automatically slow down if you were driving down a dark road and you saw police lights on the side of the road or ambulance lights on the side of the road. You'd slow down. I don't remember what episode that is. Every so often someone goes, hey, what was that episode? That's a lost episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. It's still up. I just don't know what number it was. This is kind of the same thing. This story I love because what it implies is that this UFO was trying to find a proper hiding spot. Was basically like a spider, like those spiders that live in the dirt and make a little thing of sand above them. They kind of have to sift around. Then a bug walks over and the spider, I think they're called a the trap spider. They jump out of the sand and get you. And it's like Pedro and Gloria first came upon it and it wasn't ready yet. It was the UFO with the sign that said gas station 1,000 meters and the UFO flew away. The other sign that said gas station 1 kilometer, there was no gas station there. It was basically creating this trap and was trying to get it right. And even at the end, it didn't seem to get it right. It couldn't replicate a human gas station, almost like how AI art tries to... When you give it a prompt, you say gas station 19, 1977 Spanish gas station. It actually, that probably do a better job than what this UFO did, right? It knew, the aliens knew basically what a gas station looked like, but they couldn't get it just right. It was a pump, a single pump in a shack. And the aliens are like, "What are, what, are you, <laughs> what do humans look like? What do humans look like again? That's why we're dissecting them to infiltrate them. I don't know. I think they're like seven feet tall and they love sandwiches. Okay. There's two ways you can look at it. One is they were abducted by aliens and this was the only way their brains could process it was this idea of going to the gas station. But I don't think that's what it was. I think it was a trap and it was going to get anyone who pulled over at the gas station and it wasn't getting it just right. Even the fact that the sign changed from gas station 1000 meters to gas station one kilometer, which is how those signs would be. It was almost as if the UFOs were fine-tuning the simulation. And the two signs were far apart. It wouldn't be the same distance. It's a fascinating story, and I think what happened was when they pulled over that they got abducted. The guy came out with a sandwich. I believe all that stuff happened. I don't think that was their mind breaking down. I think... That part happened, and then the aliens are like, Let's, <laughs> this is the best group of kids we're going to get today. Let's abduct these two, and we'll do our experiments on them. Whatever they did, that's always the creepy thing about missing time, right? You don't know. They could have been brought aboard an alien vessel and been interrogated. They could have been experimented on. They could have been part of some cross Human-alien breeding program, those are all viable options in the world of UFOlogy. You don't know. They could have been given a lecture on saving the environment, Gloria could have had eggs forcefully pulled out of her. So a half-gray alien, half-human hybrid could be completed. We don't know. And they don't know. They wouldn't really know unless they had, unless they underwent hypnotic regression, even that's not 100%. You have to have a really, really good hypnotist who specializes in that to make sure they're not contaminating it with information, stuff that didn't happen, but creepy. Again, it goes back to that first story. The reason why I wanted to combine these two, it's the idea of the simulated among the real, the shapeshifter living in our society, the alien craft from another world disguised as just a normal human location. I didn't think about it, but you could remember in the bus, they said, is it a cryptid, is it an alien? I kind of went with the cryptid angle. What it could have easily been alien? If you had a bus driver and a bunch of people on a bus going over and over and over again through a location, are they going to memorize every single bus stop? Or could you, if you were an alien, could you have simulated the entire bus stop? Again, like a trap spider. Like, you wouldn't know. You would just see... a. Bus stop, and you'd stop the bus because that's what you do, and everyone on the bus would not really think anything of it. I mean, what really gave the bus what really made him worry was the stomping and the screaming, whatever that was. But in this thing, I think you have this UFO that was trying to disguise itself as. A human location, and I would argue that if this is what they were doing back in 1977, they've perfected it by now. I don't remember what year that story took with the emergency vehicles. Like, I really would like to find that episode. I mean, if they were able to kind of get a gas station in the middle of nowhere back then, I'm sure they could fully replicate a Chevron food mart with an employee, with with a human-esque employee. Not seven feet tall, can't show his face. Always holding up a sandwich. Nowadays, it would be a bag of Doritos for the product placement. You don't know every gas station on the route. You don't know every gas station on your route through an area. There's no way you could. And even if you did, even if you traveled this long stretch of road over and over and over again, if you happen to see a gas station on the side of the road, you wouldn't immediately go, that must be aliens. You see a gas station, you pull over, and I would argue that these aliens, unlike the cryptid, possible cryptid in the first story, the aliens would know if they were trying to get a particular person, they would know when your car was running low. They would know when you were feeling particularly hungry for a snack or when you needed to use the restroom. I think that they could set a better trap and they could create the illusion of a Chevron on the side of the road in a place you hadn't noticed it before, but you really got to go to the bathroom. You get out, you go in that gas station, don't think anything of it, but you're really walking into the grasp of uncaring, cold, alien scientists. You go to the bathroom, come out, grab some Doritos, soda, walk back to your car, get in, drive away. And unless you really have plans laid out, you're not going to notice the missing time. You just drive home and sit down in front of your computer and start watching YouTube and the night goes by. You don't notice that an hour is gone. Television is no longer linear. Everything's on demand. You don't really realize it. By the time you realize it, you don't realize it. You're just like, wow, that night went fast. It's a simple trap. It's a perfect trap. It's one that preys on humans' need for consumerism. Or even just a little gas. The everyday can be terrifying if you think about it. If just for one moment you think about the true potential power of the world of the paranormal, it could drive you insane. It could truly make you paranoid. It's a terrifying idea in an already uncertain world. What is real and what is false? Who are the men and who are the monsters? How many times throughout your life have you fallen into one of these alien illusions? And the real question is, would you want to know? Would you want to remember what they did to you? Or are you better off believing the lie? The illusion is always more comfortable. radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great week.